welcome to the Nerd Party. Hello, hello. Welcome back to The Rack Paper Rack. I'm one of your hosts, Charles Sheeland. And I'm the other host, Asia Bonia. We're back again this week, and excitingly today we are finishing our current series. We're finishing Neil Shusterman's Skinjacker trilogy, and more specifically, we're finishing the third and final book ever found. And as we tell you every week, or if you're new to the show, this is your first time and hearing it, and you'll hear it many times from now on, we are a podcast with the Nerd Party Network, and we're best friends, and we read and reread YA books from our adolescents and share these books with each other. We've been alternating between series that one of us has read and the other one hasn't, so you get to hear our perspectives both as a new reader and a rereader. This was an Asia reread and my first time reading the series, and next week we get to start one that I will be rereading, and that is C.S. Lewis's The Chronicles of Narnia. So then I'll be the newcomer and summarize each reading, but this week will be Charles's last time covering our plot. Yeah. So wrapping up Skinjacker, the good guys are on a couple different missions as they try to foil Mary's plan for global destruction. Allie and Clarence go to kill the Skinjackers to decapitate Mary's army. Jix, Nick, and Mikey go to recruit the king and his army to take down Mary's forces. And Jill tries to infiltrate Mary's team but fails spectacularly. Mary finds herself at the site of the first atomic bomb and plans to obliterate the world, but luckily our good guys prevail. Thank goodness. So for my impression, I thought it was a really, really good series. I think the ending is awesome. I was not, I don't know what I was expecting for the ending, but I liked the ending and it's a fun series. There are also a lot of funny moments and I would recommend it to a high schooler. I wouldn't probably recommend it to anyone younger than a high schooler because I think that some of the serious things we've talked about have become such a large cultural touchstone that it probably would be more appropriate for high school age students. But I'm not saying it's like inappropriate, but I just think that they would get most out of it. And I don't need to read it again, but I think it would be great for middle to late teens. What about your impression, Asia? I also really enjoyed the ending. Most of the plot I didn't remember, like I had said from the beginning, I kind of just remembered like some big reveal things, but as far as details, I hadn't fully remembered. But even as a reread, I enjoyed it very much. I agree with Charles that I wouldn't necessarily need to reread this one again, but I would definitely recommend it to more of like that middle to older teen just because of the sheer amount of violence, especially as we talked about last episode, just in today's climate and everything. But yeah, I'd say that's my impression. We'll definitely go into more more in-depth impressions at the very end of what we thought of the whole series, but I think we just go ahead and dive into the plot. Totally. So the first thing is that Mary, that Mary does when she wakes up is she wants to reprimand Milos. She doesn't like him. And we talked about this a lot last week that she's lying to him about caring for him. She's just using him. So I just thought it was funny that like, that was the very first thing she thinks about when she wakes up. She's like, wow, he's so incompetent. And I was like, that's literally what we spent all of last week talking about, how she's manipulating him. But Mary gets over it because Milos was killing a bunch of children for her. And she's like, well, that was really sweet of him. But, Milos, you didn't kill enough children. Like, she starts off crazy. 
and she's using him and all of her skinjackers to get to her goal of ending the living world. Well, we knew Mary was crazy, but yes, I agree. That was definitely a big theme last episode, and it came into the reading right at the very beginning. And as I mentioned, then our good guys have a plan with multiple prongs to beat Mary. One of those is that Jill knows Moose and Milos' real names. At which point, when Allie asks Jill that, I thought, oh my god, are they going to kill them so that they can't skinjack and train Mary's army? That was my guess. Yeah, Allie didn't say it, but I was sure that she was thinking, you know, they could find and kill the skinjackers' bodies if they can actually locate where they are. Which is super, super dark, but... I mean, at this point, I think it's justified. Like, Milos... Definitely. Milos and Moose have killed, murdered hundreds of people. Speak... You know, like, they've killed hundreds of people. Speaking of which, in one of those paragraphs, like, a lot of the chapters, they either start with, like, an excerpt from one of Mary or Allie's books or, like, an excerpt of literature. And in one of them, it's one of the chapters about Jill's transformation, I think, one of the, there's a line, and it was exactly what I was talking about last week, and the quote is, how easy is murder when one calls it by a different name? How much easier is it for the conscious conscience to condone reaping than killing? And I was like, that's exactly what I was talking about last week, how, like, the reading almost skates over, and the ki- the kids, the murderers, they're skating over the fact that they're committing murder by calling it reaping, by, like, kind of justifying it for themselves. Like, that is exactly what I was talking about last week, and I just thought it was, you know, it was right there in the reading, too. Yeah, I'm sure it felt nice to be validated in that moment. It, it really did. I mean, not a pleasant subject to be validated on, but yes. And then, you know, another form of validation, we were right that Allie goes and kills Milos so that he can't skin Jack anymore. Again, I think it was justified because he's a murderer like a serial killer, basically. And Mary replaces Milos so fast. Like, he can't skin Jack, and she just dumps him, like, immediately. Same day. She's like, you're you're out. Yep. And so killing the skin Jackers is the plan at this point, because, you know, it is the only way to save the world, or at least take the first steps towards that. And at this point, I was, you know, saying, like, thank God Allie has enough sense to know that, yes, it is definitely worth it to kill Milos and all of the skinjackers' bodies to save the living world because it is justified. Like, you're essentially fighting for the greater good. And, yes, as I predicted from the beginning, Mary has no loyalty at all, especially not to Milos, because he is useless to her. Now that he can't skin Jack, so she immediately dumps him. And at this point, I was kind of hoping that Milos would turn on Mary, but unfortunately, I was disappointed. Yeah, that doesn't happen at all. And after Moose gets killed, Allie, Mary realizes that Allie's plan is to kill the skin Jackers. And Mary now, in order to stock up on skin Jackers, she creates an accident which causes comas. So, ugh, I mean, not saying that murder was better than but like that's so horrible to create like it's just so calculated like oh so evil you know before it's like well also this idea of too i guess you know she says how like the living world is not real but she needs skin jackers like in order to like 
destroy the living world. So, like, she needs more of them. It's just, I don't know. To me, I mean, obviously, it's all bad. But, yeah, that one just seems, like, extra, extra calculating. Yeah. And she sends an assassin after Allie. Luckily, Allie foils the assassin in the last minute. That was a really intense and scary scene. Like, I was on the edge of my seat when I was reading it. I really like that scene because Allie, like, the reason why she realized that the guy was skinjacking, like, the other nurse is because he called her Daisy, which she realized, like, all the nurses had, like, that was, like, the name of the company that, like, either made the uniforms or, like, the name of the hospital or something. And so I thought that was really clever. But, yeah, that was definitely an intense on-the-edge-of-your-seat scene. And now that Mary has all these skin jackers that need, that are basically in their interlight phase, so they're asleep for the nine months, she wants to extinguish one of her own afterlights to cause another great awakening so that she doesn't have to wait for them to wake up, which, again, just absolutely disgusting. Not only is she now putting people in comas in addition to killing people now she wants to literally extinguish another soul which we've already kind of established that that's probably the worst thing in like the whole universe that could happen and she's like we need to do it again for like my cause yeah yeah it's pretty awful but she's so cold and calculating Yes, and then at this point, I was kind of thinking and, you know, hoping that maybe Allie will find Zinn, you know, the Ripper from last book that was pushed, who was an afterlight, who was pushed into the living world, and we haven't heard anything about her. And so I was thinking maybe that Allie would find her while she's skinjacking, and then Zinn could somehow help them defeat Mary from the living side. Which is a very cute theory, but it doesn't end up happening. I'm sorry to say we don't actually hear ever hear from Zinn again. Are you ready to talk about the king, His Excellency? In a second, because I need to finish with Mary because I'm not done with her. But I am glad that Schusterman gave Mary a tangible power that makes her able to control the skinjackers because it was getting to the point that, like, you know, they're all kids. Like, even though they're kids... It just was starting to be, like, completely unbelievable that none of them would even question her at all. So, like, he ends up giving her this power, basically, where, like, her afterlight glow kind of, like, envelops others and kind of turns all of their doubts into, like, confidence in her. So it, like, is an actual power as opposed to, like, she's just persuading them, like, no, like, they don't have a choice in it. Which, I mean, it's still incredibly disturbing to read, especially, you know, when we've seen in the real world how leaders prey on ignorant people to blindly get behind their cause. But I just felt that that made it more believable because I think we were kind of getting to the point where it just was no longer rational that all out of all of these people that like she's brought into her cause, like no one would question her at all. Yeah, especially as her cause has changed. Because yeah. as she, you know, even as Nick says at the end, like at the beginning of the book series, her cause is not necessarily bad. She's wrong. She's misguided, but she's not evil. She's like... Well, also her cause, her true cause is hidden. Like all of her followers essentially ignorant to what the like big picture is. They only know a small aspect of like her desires and plans. Well, yeah. And even at the beginning of the series, she doesn't really seem interested in world domination. She just doesn't want... She wants... Oh, the afterlights to like kind of belong to her, but she doesn't, she's not thinking about 
destroying the living world. She's just like, you should all mm-hmm. live with me in my house. But it's when, like, yeah, now that her goal has become much bigger and, perf- to be honest, like, much less likely to have everyone agree with it, you know? Yeah. It does make sense that she has, an, a, like, a power because, yeah, you're right. Like, even children know that killing people is bad. So it's it's good that we got an explanation because she does trick these people into doing absolutely horrible things. Yeah, I mean, something I just thought of, like, she literally, one of her kids, like, one of the skin jackers, he skin jacks into a man and, like, kills himself, like, kills the body. And when the afterlife comes out, he's like, please, like, Miss Mary, like, don't ever, like, make me do something like that again. So, like, to me, it, it just made it, like, much more, like, okay, now she has, like, an actual power, just like how Mikey's developed his power to, like, change his appearance stuff. Like, she has an actual power that's developed. So, like, okay, that makes a little bit more sense as opposed to, like, no one's going to question her at all. Yeah, I agree. But now I think that we can go ahead and move on to talk about the king slash his excellency. So the king is, as Jix calls it, unremembering. And this was honestly, like, a little bit of a plot point that, like, we get a lot of hype of the king, and then, like, he's actually kind of irrelevant. Like, he's kind of just there yeah. so that we can get his statue. And even then, that was kind of irrelevant. But basically, he can control things by choosing not to remember them and making them so. It's kind of hard to explain. So unless we need an example, I think we'll just skip it. But, like, he does use the Evercoins to build a statue of himself, which I think is pretty iconic. Like, that's amazing. Like, he's so dramatic, he needs a statue of himself. I thought that was really funny. And the vizier, did I say that right? Yes. Is familiar. So I, and then at that point, I guess correctly, that it was very, or uh, Stradivarius, you know, the annoying little kid that we lost in the first book. I guess that as well. And we called it, we said last week that he would be back and whiny as ever, and we were right. Yep. So that was good for us that we guessed that. (laughs) Self-praise, good up, go I, us. Again, this whole section was kind of like pointless. Yeah. Because the king is like kind of a bust. Like it's not like we needed his I army I think it in was to kind of like separate the characters' plots because like we have like basically the three plot lines through the end of like the three different plans, which we'll like get into. But the first one is Mikey, Nick, and, and Jix. How they all go down to Mexico to his excellency to like kind of because we find on the city of souls is like thousands of afterlights. So basically to get like an army, which I mean, they ultimately don't really do anything. So that's why it ultimately like serves like what was the purpose of that? But like you said, ultimately they need to go there to get the statue because that is important to the end of the story. I also think it like kind of I think it's there to give Jix some character background because otherwise. Yeah, that too. Like, yeah, we kind of need that Kind of develop him as a character. Yeah. So Mikey then, while they're in the City of Souls, Mikey becomes, he transforms into Kulukulkan, the feathered serpent. And that scares the king into acting, which is great, because then the king's like, we all got to go, you know, and so they all get in the Hindenburg and fly off. Uh, Kulukulkan being obviously a callback to different a different series we've read on the show, do you remember? Is it Nicholas Flamel? Of course. Do you remember more? About the guy? I don't remember. Was he one of the... 
the people, did they meet him? No, he was an elder. They do meet him, but he was an elder. He was a god, but he was Billy the Kid's yeah, master. Yeah, like, yeah, he yeah, was the, yeah. He's the one who had, like, god, the house so in long. Northern California. And he's the one who collected all the artifacts, and he had a couple Wait, different Billy humans the kid, that worked for him. Wait, because Billy the Kid, did he make him, like, immortal? He did make Billy the Kid immortal. Yes. All I remember about anyway, that series is Bastet, the giant, the giant cat. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember all the episodes of us laughing, like imagining this lady with a giant cat, like a mascot head. That's all I remember about the series. <laughs> like, not a normal size. Again, like, huge. Blown up. <laughs> That's what I imagined that. Like a bobblehead. Okay. <laughs> okay, well, longtime listeners of this show will remember Coco Khan. Also, I remember, I specifically remember that because I went to Mexico on vacation and obviously some of the museums, like, there's obviously a lot of depictions of him. But anyway, so then when Charlie goes into the light, he gives them a clue and they figure out that they're going to Alamogordo. Gordo. Ooh. I said that really badly. Alamo Gordo, which is where the first nuclear weapon was tested. And that's that giant dead spot that in the last reading, the Hindenburg flew over. I know we completely skipped the Hindenburg last reading. I mean, it was basically irrelevant until this point. Yes. It's a perfectly large, perfect circle, large dead spot. And Mary says she's always been drawn to the West. We find out why. There's a giant, the first nuke ever is suspended there. And... It could blow up because its purpose is to be destroyed. And as they say, everything that crossovers are into Everlost won't break unless its purpose is to break. So obviously Mary was not alive when nukes came into being. So she doesn't know what they are. So when she figures out what they are, she's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know how many I need to blow up the world, but this seems perfect. I can do it all in one day. She's so excited. She's like, this, this is it. This is what I've been looking for. Because she's like, I can only blow up one, even if it takes me, even if I kill one town a day, it's going to take me 10,000 years. Yeah. And I was like, girl, maybe this is a sign this isn't a good idea. But she, like, but I mean, when you step back a little bit, it's pretty scary. Like, she wants to cause nuclear Armageddon for no reason. Asia, did you remember it was going to be like this? Yes, I remembered about the atomic bomb. I mean, and also, I mean, when Mary started talking about destroying the living world, like, in the modern world, there's a pretty easy way to do that if you can skin jack into any body you want. I was more, because at first... I mean, I assumed that she was going to, that she was going to plan for that, but I didn't realize that she was going to, like, literally touch a bomb, I guess. Well, I also, like, like I remembered me. that. I remembered, like, that the bomb was a part of the story. I didn't um, necessarily predict it. Gotcha. But that is a great segue back into Mary and Milos, which is where, yes, I am honestly just so disappointed in Milos. He ended up sacrificing his existence for that witch, which I understand that he was afraid of going into the light because of all the terrible things he did, like, you know, mass murder. But... Wow, he just ultimately was, like, the weakest character, I feel like. Like, such a coward. Like, obviously, Mary the worst, like... But, like, she was still, like, strong and, like, stood... Like, Milos was just a coward. Like, I hate him. Yeah. Yeah, he was, uh, pathetic. 
But, like, you didn't even feel bad for him. He, like, she extinguishes him in particular. Like, she was like, I don't use him, and I betrayed him, and he knows the most of what I want to do. It's probably best if I get rid of him. Like, that was so horrible. She could have used any afterlight. I mean, if you're asking if I felt bad for him, the answer is absolutely not. No, capital N, oh, no, I don't feel bad for him. Especially because I still remember... I guess it was in the second book when Milos first meets Mary and like starts to get to know her. He even says like how he's kind of at a crossroads where he's like, I'm either going to go with Mary and kind of do things that I've like never really done before. And like, I'm going to be crossing a line or I can take a step back and he crosses the line. So like all of his choices were like, he did them of his own free will. So like he deserves everything he got. And Yes, it, like, makes sense that Mary chose him to do it because, one, like, she knew he would do it willingly because he would literally do anything for her because he's in love with her. And Mary says that she didn't want to force anyone, which whether she actually didn't want to force anyone or she probably just didn't want to do that because it would make her look bad. Like, how terrible it would have been if she was like, oh, you get extinguished after we've, like, decided that's the worst thing that could possibly happen to you. And like you said, it was a way to get rid of him. He knows everything and he's no longer of use to her. So this is basically her version of like putting him in the garbage disposal where like there's no chance of return. I mean, yeah, I don't feel sad. I don't feel sorry for him. I just feel like it just emphasized how horrible she is, I guess. I think it emphasized how manipulative that she is, that she can hold such a power over someone that she didn't even have to force him. Like, she didn't really have to ask him. Or no, I guess she... Yeah, he kind of just comes. She, she asked, she asked but, like, like, he was like, I'll do this for you. Like, I would, of course, yeah. I would do this for you. Which, to me, like, it's more sad and, like you said, pathetic that, like, you feel so badly about yourself that, like, you give up your entire existence or someone else who like doesn't even care for you. But yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Yeah. It was just okay. definitely a low point yeah, I, in the plot. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that I feel, I don't feel badly for him. Like he's a bad person. Don't get me wrong. But I understand what you mean of like, you feel, you could feel bad for him in the sense of like, he's the main person who like actually cared for Mary and got to know her. Like she could have gotten rid of like a stranger yeah, that's what I mean. That like, but, but I think when I'm thinking of Mary, who's you know thinking on her best interests, it makes sense that like she would want somebody who'd basically be a martyr for her, who would be w- like ready and willing. Whereas like all of her kids love her, but like, would anybody really want to be extinguished for Mary? Like, I don't know if anyone else is at that level of commitment to her as Milos is. I guess. So at that moment, so that brings us to the climax. This is when Clarence touches the freaky coin statue and the bomb at the same time. And this causes a giant light tunnel. So, you know, they go into the light, blah, 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 one by one with their coins. But this creates, like, an atomic-sized light tunnel. So, basically, almost all the afterlights there get sucked up. Like, all the City of Souls people, all of Mary's people, you know, because they're all ready to go. And they all just get... Like, I imagine it was, like, a giant glowing vacuum, just, like... Yep. Like, one by one, all the souls are just like, and Mary's like, and then, this is my favorite part, Mary, she handcuffs herself to a car door, because she's like, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh no light for me, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh 
I don't know what you got in store. Like, that's literally what I imagined her voice sounding like. She was, Which, again, because she knows that she's going straight to hell or not the good place. And she's like, no, 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 no. No light for me. Like, she has to tie herself down. And then Mikey has to go, and I was so sad. Yeah, Mikey says to Allie right before he leaves, I'll be waiting for you. And that definitely had me on the verge of tears for a second there. But then right after that happens, <laughs> I feel like it's like in a movie where it's like, oh, you get this really like sad dramatic moment and then it cuts to like some comedic relief where it just shows, shows Nick standing there with his arms like wide open, like waiting to go up into the light and then realizing he's not ready, like he doesn't get sucked up. I just thought that was pretty funny or like a nice comic relief after that sad moment between Mikey and Allie. Yeah, like, yes, it was definitely good comic relief. Especially because, like, Nick, like, the chocolate melts away. Like, he becomes a normal boy again. And he's just standing there. And, like, it doesn't happen. Like, that would have <laughs> been really funny. But I was like, Nike and Allie, they've been, like, basically chasing each other for so long. I mean, obviously, the first three years of their friendship, like, they were basically in love and they didn't realize it. And they were together all the time. But, like, once they realized it and once they vocalized it, they were always apart. And it made me so sad. Like, it frees her up for the ending, obviously, that we're going to get. But I thought it was so sad they got separated. Yeah. I mean, I remembered the ending. So, like, I figured something like this was going to happen. I didn't remember exactly what happened to Mikey. But I wasn't, like, that surprised. But I, like I said, at in the moment of reading it, I did feel emotional about it, though. Because they did have such a great connection. And it was definitely just sad to read them being separated, even though, like you said, it frees up Allie for her ending. It was still heartbreaking. Yeah. And then Mary goes fully crazy. So one, I think she deserved worse, but they were basically like, you'd have to admit that you're wrong and you're going to stop trying to like kill people. And she, she's like, no. And so she sinks herself to the bottom of the earth because she won't get her way. Like, like a literal child. Yes. Like a literal child. (laughs) Mary cannot even admit that she was wrong, which she definitely was. So she takes the coward's way out by sinking to the center of the earth. And she locks herself inside of a refrigerator, like with the shelves taken out. So she's basically in like, it's like the equivalent of being like buried alive. So like, that seems just terrifying. But I guess, I don't know. The whole idea is to get to the center of the earth sounds awful. But clearly, to her, that was the better choice than, you know, admitting that she was wrong and, like, trying to, like, repent for her sins. But whatever. All I have to say about her is good riddance. I think she should have been extinguished. She was way too dangerous to be left alive. I mean, I guess she, like, she's also pathetic. So when she sinks below the earth and, like, she's in the refrigerator, she's never going to cause any more harm. But I was like, she deserves to. She deserves it because she puts everyone at risk. Yeah, well, but, you know, the being extinguished, at least that we know of, is no longer an option because Clarence, after he, like, touches the bomb and stuff, he can no longer see into Everlost. Yeah. So I don't think it would necessarily work anymore, like, if he touched them. I guess. I mean, maybe. Yeah. But how could he touch them if he can't see them? Yeah, no, I guess it's true. It's not an option anymore. She's just so evil, like... Yeah, out of all the characters, she's the one who definitely deserves it. Like, it's like the idea, again, of, like... When you talk about like the death penalty or something, which obviously everybody has their own opinion, but for something like this where like 
how Ali like and Milos like talked about like the justicing of like you can actually see into someone's thoughts to like see what they're guilty of since Ali like knows like what Mary's actual plan was like she does deserve to be like taken out well, she's like, also responsible she, for mass murder like she's responsible for effectively like, like um a genocide thousands of, of lives yeah thousands of lives lost so like there's no denying that like her being out of the world would be a benefit but she basically takes herself out she's effectively doing that anyway, anyway. yeah yeah and then that's the end of the book pretty much do you want to play where are they now because we have so many characters left Yes, yeah, so, which I did, like, because I think the last chapter, we kind of get, like, a little check-in yes. with, like, the three main characters that are left. So, I don't even think we really mentioned Jill, but at the beginning when I was saying there was, like, those three plots at the end. So, obviously, like I said, it's Mikey, Nick, and Jix go to the City of Souls. Allie and Clarence are, like, Allie's, like, killing the skinjackers' bodies, and then Jill goes back to Mary, and she's supposed to be getting the names of all of the new skinjackers so that Allie can kill all of their bodies, but Jill basically gets caught, and Mary realizes that she's not actually on her side anymore, so instead of, like, singing her to the center of the earth, they decide her punishment is going to be that she is going to be forced to skin Jack into a pig, and then they're going to make it so she stays in it long enough that she'll stay with it until it dies, which it's, like, a pig that, like, is forced to, like, breed every year, so, like, it's going to be a few years before she would be released. But after everything that happens, Jix ends up finding Jill and freeing her from her pig prison. Pig prison? Is that what I said? Pig prison, that, that's kind of a tongue twister. Pig prison, um, pig prison, pig prison. No, it's not. It's fine. It just, when I said it, it sounded weird. Like, that's too P. I don't know. It just sounded weird. Anyway, then we get Allie, who in the end does skin jack her body and wakes up, which I did remember this, which is why I said before, I didn't necessarily remember what happened with Mikey specifically, but I was pretty sure that Allie was going to come back to life because again, like we said, it's only been like four years. So she realistically could wake up from her coma and like she would be able to live a normal life. Like she's only missed out on like her teenage years, which like who wants to be a teenager again anyway, might as well fast forward till you're 18. But um, I just wasn't sure if Mikey goes into the light or Mikey tells her to do it because I also, again, it's the idea of of if you really love someone, like, you'll let them go, especially when, like, I don't think that Mikey would have actually wanted her to let go of life, like, her chance at living. I agree, but him being ready also made sense, so that worked. Yeah, I think that was the best way because then, again, it wasn't a choice. It was, it was, I mean, Mikey, again, like, I think, didn't Mikey and Mary, like, they died in, like, the early 1900s. So he's, like, it's basically, you know, Edward and Bella. Like, he's, like, 100 years older than her, essentially. So it would make sense that he was ready. Also, like, he was not ready to go into the light after the first book because he was a bad person and he wanted to redeem himself. And he spent the last three years traveling with Allie, being a good person. And then he spent the last year specifically working to take down Mary, like, he's, now he's not afraid to go into the light anymore, because that's the reason he doesn't go in originally. After yes. he stops being the McGill, it's because he's like, I was a bad person, and I want to repent, which is literally the opposite of Mary. Like Mary, who's like, I'm trying like, to sing to the center of the earth and wait till the wrong. end of the world. Wait till the end of the world, then do that. 
Yeah. So he's ready to go in knowing like he's done what he can to be a better person. And then our final storyline is Nick, who he basically becomes the new and improved Mary. And he welcomes new afterlights into Everlost, but obviously make sure to tell them about the coins and how they do get into the light. And it sounds like he's taken over the Twin Towers. So like I said, basically the new, new and improved, very much improved Mary. But what about Zinn? That was all I was thinking about at the very end because she was not mentioned at all. Yeah, I I can't believe you remembered Allie going back to herself, but I guess that would be a major plot point. I would remember that too now. Yeah, I mean, yep. as I said a couple weeks ago, I didn't think that she would leave Mikey. But because, like we said, Mikey was already gone, I can buy it. And we did get the note that, like, her body well, was in... At yeah, that point, she, why what was is she really... Singing after, uh, why was she singing Everlost with him? And also, like, we knew that her body was intact and that she wasn't going to be, like, a paraplegic. Not saying that there's anything wrong with being living as a paraplegic, but, like, I can understand why a child would... Again, it was going to be an easy transition for her to go back to her body from what she is experiencing now as, like, as an afterlife. Like, she's she's going to go back to what we're assuming is a young, healthy body just a few years older. Exactly. So, it made sense. And I... I, I I would not have been surprised if she'd gone into the light, but it was it was nice also like that, you know. But remember, she she can't go into the light as an as a skinjacker. You think your your body has to die. Oh, well then it makes more sense. Anyway, I completely I thought that that I okay. Milo says that once. Or maybe and that's not. Maybe that wasn't a rule that was established. No, Milo says I can't says remember, that but I'm thinking as a rule. He tells Allie that, say that. But I didn't I just assumed it was a lie. I just assumed it was never saying that. Who says that? Milos says it. Oh, says you can't go. I'm pretty sure that that's why, because. Yeah, because you're not ready to go into light. Because your body's not dead. Yes. So that was, so when Mikey goes into the light, like she doesn't, if we're saying that's the rule, she doesn't even have the option to go in the light. So like you're so saying, it makes what more would sense be holding for, her ever lost? Then it makes more sense for her to go to her body anyway. Yeah, that's fine. I I always always just assumed that that was something that Milos made up that skinjackers couldn't go into the light. But if that's a rule that we're believing, then yes, then it makes perfect sense. Also, like I kind of like that it's not like a perfect goody two shoes. Everything ends in a bow, you know. Like we have that moment where they're like, "Wait for me!" Like I'll wait for you. Like that is so sad. So sad. But you know, also like happy because Allie gets to go back and be with her family. But yes, nothing for Zinn, so... Which... Why don't we talk about Zinn? Yes, so for Zinn. Zinn, okay, so yes. I I didn't only care about Zinn, but this is something that I was just thinking about, obviously, because she just gets thrown into the living world, and then we just never hear from her again. So I was a little disappointed, but I Googled it because I just had to know if there was anything. And Neil Schusterman actually made a blog post on October 18th, 2011, explaining why she wasn't included in Everfound. This is like on his website because he says that it just wasn't logical, which I honestly do respect. And he like gave an explanation because the only people who would have known her were busy. Johnny, who is the one he was trapped on the Hindenburg and Nick, who completely lost his memory. So those are the only people who could have like known who she was and like wanted to look for her in the first place. Also, 
in this book, none of the characters went back to Memphis where she was pushed back into the living world, except for Jix, which one, he's never met Zim before. And it wouldn't have really made sense for him to just randomly run into her when she, at this point, has no connection to Everlost, and he has no connection to her. Like, if he ran into her while he was, like, technically, because he doesn't even skin Jack. He, like, Animal Jack, so, like, that would have made no sense. But he did, in the blog post, give us a little story for, like, which gives us a little bit of closure for her character, which I very much enjoyed. And he says, it has to be true because I made up the character. So this is what happened to Zinn. She was taken in as a foster child by the same family that had her dog. Although she had a hard time adjusting in school and learning to read and write, she was a whiz when it came to American history. Every year she participates in the reenactment of the Civil War, which they actually do. She falls in love with a boy fighting for the North, but they only get to see each other once a year during the reenactment. Finally, after 10 years of this, a truce between the North and South is declared just so they can get married. They plan to someday buy a house that's built right on the Mason-Dixon line. And so that was it. And I just thought that was really cute that, you know, he gave us something and he didn't have to do that. But I think that his explanation that, like, it just logically wouldn't have made sense. Because if he would have put it in, we would have been like, that makes no sense. It's true. So I thought that was nice that he gave us something, but, like, Again, it seems very logical that she wasn't included in the rest of the story. Totally. I agree. Well, do you have any other impressions? Like, anything else you want to share? So, my only thing is at the end is something that obviously we don't necessarily get confirmation of is when Allie goes back to life and she skinjacks her body, like, is she going to remember everything that happened in Everlost? Yes. Why do you say yes? Because when Zinn and Mary go into the real world, after they're Ecto ripped into the real world, they remember. Okay. I mean, that's slightly different. But if we go off that, we could say that she's going to remember. I know it's different, but I'm just saying. I'm assuming that she would remember. But I'm like, it would be really sad if Mikey was like, I'll be waiting for you. And then she like wakes up and doesn't remember him at all. But like also really sad that she does remember because her whole life, like you'd be thinking about this like soul you met while you were in this four-year coma like you need to go to therapy like i would need to talk to someone about that well also you're like am i betraying that person if i like fall in love in real life and what if i can't find also, them when i go into Everlast, like, like are you gonna tell people about Everlast? like there's this whole world that exists like no i'm saying like that's why it's like kind of like would she remember because if she did remember like that would cause her so many more issues whereas if she just woke up and had no idea she'd probably be better off she would. At least in having, like, a normal life. I think she would be better off, but I'm expecting that she probably would remember because, like, even when she's... Also, haha, I know why. When she skin jacks people into the real world, she remembers everything. No, I know, but... And she's technically skin jacking herself. I guess. I guess you could say it like that. I'm just more like, I, mean, I just feel like a lot of times in those things, like, you know, you wake up, you like, you don't remember what happened, which, again... It's kind of either side would be really sad. Like, it would be really sad if she didn't remember anything. But like we said, it would give her a much better shot at having, like, a normal life. Whereas if she does remember, like, she's going to need therapy for the rest of her life. Like, I don't know how you, like, would recover from that. Because, like, again, it's like a thing of you can't talk about it with, like, normal people. They'll think you're insane. Well, you would be insane. But we don't know. Maybe that's really out there. And people who say stuff like that, they were really there. We don't know. 
Also, Maybe. another thing I thought about is since Allie's alive, like imagine like a future where like she like meets Zin. Like, would she remember her? Like, if they met each other like alive, wouldn't that be? Because cr- aren't they? They're both in Memphis. They're both in Memphis. So that's something I also imagine. Like, you know, in the Neil Schusterman write a sequel, fictional future of the book, write an epilogue. It would be nice to get like a little epilogue, like an, well, I guess there already is. I think that was the epilogue was the little like pictures of like showing what happened, but like an epilogue of you know like sixty, seventy years later of like when Allie is like on her deathbed and then like she sees like she meets Mikey, but like also like yeah, like you said like if she got married, like I guess she'd be like, see ya, I already have a soulmate. <laughs> yeah, that's tricky. Well, Neil Schusterman, if you're listening. Or at least you want to write a blog post, send it to us. Yeah, write a blog post. That would be great. We We would do an emergency episode for that. Yes. And I think that's it. I think that's a perfect button. Did you... Oh, I got to know what were your final impressions of the series as a whole? Because we obviously already know that I liked it. But Charles throughout was like, I like the characters, but eh, on the story and the world building, like, I could care less. So what was your final impression I'm still there on the world building. I just don't care. I'm because, but it has nothing to do with the story. I think he did an excellent job building a world. I think he did an excellent job building continuity. I think, I think it's fun. I think it's charming. I just don't think about the afterlife at all. I don't know if that makes me weird, but like, <laughs> it's not a subject that interests me. Maybe it's because I'm a Catholic. So I just. You're not fan. It's not fantastical enough for you. What? No. Well, and saying in the sense of, I guess if you're saying you don't think about the afterlife, I guess, again, for me, I like stuff like this because it's rooted in the real world. Whereas I feel like a lot of the books you like or like world building series you like, they're not rooted in the real world. They're more fan, like it's a fantastical world. It's something completely made up. I don't know if I agree with that, but. Or just like different, I guess. But you're saying, I think more so, I guess you're saying. Or I'm assuming what you mean is because you're not interested in the afterlife, this automatically was something that you would never really be interested in because it's something that you're not interested in general. Okay. Correct. But I enjoyed it thoroughly. I thought it was a fun story. I thought the characters were excellent. I, I like the way Neil Schusterman writes. Like I really enjoyed the, I enjoy the prose. I also like like it more than Inkheart. Oh yeah. Infinitely more. That was boring. That was that was boring and confusing at the same time. Like, no, I like this way more than Inkar. It's just that I'm not like it's not something that I would go back to. You like magic? I feel like more. I do like magic, but like, I mean, I'm not interested in. I don't know. Just, I think that's not. I was saying fantastical more. I think you like magical. Like I'm thinking the books you like. Like even the books we've covered so far on here, I feel like yours are usually more magical or like mythological maybe is that a word mythical yes both are words mythical well because okay but something like that whereas like this was like ghosts which i feel like is not one of your interests but it is one of mine <laughs> i well, again i just think it's just sense. not something that i yeah i just that i'm not also like they are kids so like it's one of those where like i'm not that interested in children like in that sense I mean, that's literally all we read about on this podcast is children. 
I like when we read about teenagers. They were teenagers, Charles. They were 15. I guess they were. They were young teens. They were babies. That's a teenager, 15. It's not like when we started Percy Jackson or whatever books when they're like 12. And they were like Or like Lyra, who was like 10 or whatever, like... Or even the last book, Inkheart, where uh, Maggie was, <laughs> was <laughs> didn't she start out being like 12? Those are what I would consider children. These were, our main characters were all teenagers. They were all like 15 to 16. And Mary was like 17, okay, right? Well, no, she's 15. No, 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 Mary was, or maybe maybe she just acted like she was older. But, they, but either way, even if you said they were all 15 to 16, that's a teenager. That's like right in the middle of being a teenager. Okay. That's when you're, like, starting to drive, like, you're kind of, like, you're just, like, you're crossing over into that, like, you're almost a young I adult. I just, again, I'm, I enjoy the series thoroughly. I'm just not, I don't care. Like, it, it's not the kind of thing that, like, holds my interest. <laughs> so, as we have evidence, Charles' statement, I don't care, has been continuous. You know, I'll, I'll respect <laughs> the consistency. He did not change his mind on this one. We'll have to try better next time. I mean... Yeah. I could I could pull the audio from all the episodes. I just don't care. <laughs> I'm an, no, How I, rude. I apologize for him, Neil Schusterman, if you haven't listened to the episode. But also, if you listen to the episode, rude. he would... It would be better if you hated it. Indifference? It's not what indifference. It's just... I'm, I'm not, just I kidding. Just, I thoroughly enjoyed the writing. I thoroughly enjoyed the story. I just... I, it's not the kind of thing that I would go back to, because... There's nothing for me there that would, like, hook me to come back. Like, Twilight, I'm like, I need the romance again. I still can't believe out of all the books you read, you're like, Twilight is the one you'll be rereading. Twilight I mean, is the biggest convert It for makes me. my heart happy because, again, like I said, that's definitely my favorite young adult series. It's a guilty pleasure. It's t- terrible writing, but... It's horrible writing. It's so romantic, like... Yeah, it's just, just like, that is, it. like, sweep me off my feet. Like, this, I'm like, I don't, you know... It's clever. I would read this with my kids. I would. I would. I wa- yeah, I, would, I think this will be cute. For, I would want yeah. my middle schoolers or high schoolers to read this. You know. And I would talk about like mass murder and how <laughs> terrible like, it is. Like, just so you know, Mary is wrong. Genocide bad. Like when someone tells you it they're going to kill great, a bunch of children, don't trust them. It would be a great lesson. Yeah. Like this is why we don't have firearms because we don't want crazy people. To kill everyone. And that's our teaching moment for this week. Okay, well, I think <laughs> that's it for the Skinjacker trilogy. So next week we'll be starting a new series. We will be starting with the entirety of The Magician's Nephew, which is the first book in C.S. Lewis's The Chronicles of Narnia. And remember, for Narnia, we will be reading a book a week. So it'll be going a little bit faster through the series because the books are so short. Yeah, and there's so many of them. We'll literally finish. It'll take us longer to read the whole series than it took us to read Skinjacker. Even going a book a week. Just by a week. Yeah, just by a week. It's not bad. But I'm so excited. You have no idea. If you have predictions, theories, or questions, or you just don't care like me, remember that you can stay in touch with us regarding anything on the Nerd Party website. Just head over to nerdparty.com slash contact and select the rack paperback. That'll send us an email. And we were going to cover the Chronicles of Narnia, but it was actually suggested by a listener who emailed us. And they were like, are you guys going to cover Narnia? And we were like, yeah, here we go. 
And or if you social media your speed, you can reach us on Twitter at Join Nerd Party or Instagram at the Nerd Party. We also had a listener this week reach out to us on Instagram suggesting some book series. So, you know, that's awesome. Always we'd love hearing from you. And Facebook.com slash the nerd party as well. And to find me, I'm at Seashells on Instagram. C S C H E L S Seashells. And I'm at Asia.bonia on Instagram and TikTok. If you enjoyed this, make sure that you rate and review the podcast and share it with your friends. And of course, check out the other podcasts on the Nerd Party Network and make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss us next week. Yes, hit that subscribe button. Have a good one. We will see you next week. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.